And it's our newest one. There's one op- there's one fifteen open, and that's for you. The whole the full bottle is for you. I'm sorry, I only brought one full. But that's okay. That's we know it's two fifteens. Yeah, yeah, one is open and one isn't. Right. So okay. grab the one, so save that one, so you can put it on black market later. Yeah, the thirteen. You sell that on the. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. And do you have an interesting way that you listen to our podcast? We're always looking for hearing stories about how you watch or listen to the podcast. And who knows, maybe you can get your name mentioned on here as well, because this is coming from Paul Clark, a listener based out of Colorado. And he said on Friday night, he's usually there with his wife making some whiskey sours, and then she pours a blind set. And then they queue up the podcast and listen to it. So, Paul, thanks for sending in that. And if you have an interesting way that you listen to Bourbon Pursuit, send us an email, team at bourbonpursuit.com. So we want to know how you kick back and listen. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout out here on the podcast. Congratulations to Cody Harms and Ryan Hartnett, who have won tickets to Bourbon and Beyond through our Patreon supporter campaign. There's still one week left to get entered for the general public if you follow us on Facebook. So go there now because this is going to be your last podcast reminder. We have another pair of GA tickets as well as the Mint VIP Weekend Experience. That is a pair of tickets valued at $1,000, and we're going to have uh, one lucky winner for that one. So good luck to all get entered, and you're going to know relatively soon by next podcast who's going to win that one. Unfortunately, I was out of town this week, and I didn't get to go to the media preview But the Kentucky Bourbon Trail Welcome Center that we've talked about on the show before is finally open at the Fraser Museum. It's located on the first floor and it's founded in partnership with the KDA. This Welcome Center is going to be the official start of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. It's free of charge, so make sure you go and you write that down for your next Bourbon Trail visit. Now for today's show, have you ever wondered why there's an extra L in barrel bourbon? Well, today you're going to find out. Joe Beatrice and Trip Stimson join the show to talk about all things barrel and how this brand is really one of those for the bourbon geeks because it comes unfiltered and barrel proof. But then we also dive into their newest releases of the Infinite Barrel Project and we talk about their plans for sourcing, distilling, blending and more as they have made Louisville, Kentucky their headquarters. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether that's in Stitcher or Google Play, or like us on YouTube and Facebook to get the video podcast there. And if show notes are really hard to read on your device, well, make sure you go to bourbonpursuit.com, sign up for the email list, and then you can get the pretty pictures and the links all to your inbox every single time a new episode's released. And lastly, we talk about it all the time and even give away free tickets to Bourbon and Beyond. Patreon is where we have all the things for supporting the show. Limited edition t-shirts, bottle tote bags, uh, patches, stickers, you name it, including access to barrel picks. So go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash bourbon pursuit and help support the show and be a part of the Patreon community. With that, enjoy this week's episode. And here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. In the 1940s, a major Kentucky distillery considered a woman for its master distiller role. Up until this point, the bourbon industry had always had women in its ranks, especially on the bottling lines, but this highly coveted role of master distiller 
had always been reserved for men. When I interviewed the woman for my book, Whiskey Women, the 90-year-old still vividly remembered the opportunity. She was a chemist, highly respected, and knew her way around the still. According to her, distilling was easy, but her peers were men, and they frequently harassed her and made her feel unsafe. The executives told the woman she was the most qualified person for the job, that she would be a great master distiller. Not good, but great master distiller. They couldn't give her the job because, in their words, she was a woman. Their rationale was men, or her co-workers, would look up her dress as she walked up the stairs. As she told me this, I could hear a crack in her voice, still clearly shaken seven decades later. She asked me to keep her identity a secret. I have stayed true to this vow. She left the distilling business after this incident and had a brilliant career in another industry where she was respected and admired for being the first female to do many things. Clearly, this was bourbon's loss. She may have pioneered small batching, created the single barrel, or discovered the new distilling techniques that made bourbon better. And I am personally saddened bourbon lost such a great talent to sexist assholes. Fortunately, today, bourbon has many accomplished women, from Michter's Andrea Wilson and Pamela Heilman to Castling Key's Marianne Eves and George Dickel's Nicole Austin, and they've earned every ounce of their recognition. I'm glad we live in a world that now, where many women get a fair shot when competing for a master distiller role. Of course, sexist assholes still exist and remain persistent that the 1940s be the way we live. But for the most part, whiskey executives and drinkers judge distillers for their whiskey and not how they look. That's how it always should have been. And that's this week's Above the Char. If you're interested in learning more about the history of women and whiskey, check out my book, Whiskey Women, wherever books are sold. If you have an idea for Above the Char, hit me up on Twitter, at Fred Minnick. That's at Fred Minnick, M-I-N-N-I-C-K. Until next week, cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. 
It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here at our uh, official recording studio. Yes, it is, which is made which itself is a home. My dining room, right? <laughs> yeah. But it kind of we kind of turned it. We got a bunch more bottles on here than we usually do. Yeah, this is like crazy. I mean, normally guests don't bring shit. We have to offer them. So I'm, <laughs> like, I'm already liking these guys. So. <laughs> yeah, we haven't, we haven't gone to the basement yet to, to go diving around They're there. They're like, how drunk do you want to get today? I was like, well, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I can clear my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can make time for something like that. Yeah. No, this is, um, this is something that people have been asking around for a while, right? Because this is a, a name that has started making its way to national markets um, you see it on the shelves. There's a few people that go crazy. It was a winner of the San Francisco Spirits Awards last year. And so it's I think it's going to be a great discussion, too. Yeah, it's the the uh, bourbon that started the whole uh, marzipan thing for me. Like <laughs> Fred Minnick, you know, I think it was Batch 11 said he got marzipan out of it. And I was like, what the hell is marzipan? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. And now people are sending us marzipan. <laughs> so, In the I shape mean, of a bourbon bottle. Exactly. Yeah. Just so, trying to educate. Yeah. So I'm super excited about today because. I know a little bit about the brand, but not a ton. So I'm excited to kind of figure it, find out about it. No, I, I think so too, because it, it is exciting in regards of how this company came to be and how they took a, a different, um, I guess you could say, twist on things where it was originally just all started as sourcing and blending, right? It wasn't saying like, we're going to go and create the, the next craft distillery, right? right? It said like, we're going to start, we're going to make a name for ourselves. And so I think we're going to get a lot of those good stories that are going to happen today. So let's go ahead and introduce our guest. So today we have Joe Beatrice, the founder of Barrel Bourbon, as well as Trip Stimson, the master distiller and director of distillery operations. So fellas, welcome to the show. Thanks Good for having me here. <laughs> so, you know, we let's go ahead and, uh, you know, I we'll, we'll go back and forth on this because I kind of want to just get a, a good background from each of you. So just kind of give me an idea of your first either memory of bourbon or how you got into it. What what sort of led you there? Was it, you know, grandpa handing you something underneath the table? Like what what was that <laughs> that moment that sort of got you into bourbon or at least became something in the back of your head? Joe, we'll start off with you. Okay. Well, um, I would say that it was probably broken into three different phases. One, when I was a little kid and there was a ceramic bottle of bourbon that I opened up and smelled. So that was, that was the first experience. I don't know how old I was, but I was young. Uh, that was the first one. The second one probably, uh, most memorable was my, like most people, 21st birthday. And it was, it was, it was a moment when I didn't drink bourbon for 10 years after that. So yeah. then I had a little bit of a hiatus. And then the other real memorable moment for me was the first time I drank whiskey out of a barrel, which, which, and I remember thinking in that moment, why isn't everybody drinking it like this? And that was scotch. And it was just, it was one of those moments that just sort of stayed with me. And, um, and, the, and then it sort of informed everything else that came after that. 
Right. And we're going to hit on that probably a little bit deeper. So Trip, what about you? <laughs> what, we do therapy later? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll return to your childhood. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, actually from Tennessee originally. So being from Tennessee, of course, you drink Jack Daniels. Um, so that was more, uh, that was more my drink of choice, uh, early on in this. And then getting the opportunity to go work for the parent company to Jack Daniels is really cool. And it's actually a, a kind of an interesting story how that happened. Um, I was sitting on a beach, uh, Daytona beach, actually in the bed of my pickup truck, drinking a Corona, <laughs> listening to country music with my sister. Sounds like and spring break. You weren't in, you weren't in Sharky's. <laughs> well, I just graduated college. You weren't at Sharky's where you <laughs> So we, we were sitting right, right behind the uh, condo on the beach, listening to country music and the phone rings. And I didn't recognize the number. And I answered the phone and it was uh, Brown Foreman HR calling to do a phone interview. And so we we did my I did my original phone interview for uh, for Brown Foreman on the beach drinking Corona. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then, and then it got you here. And then a week later, they offered me the job, and you know the rest is history. You must have awesome. had that like happy buzz medium, you know, like when you play golf, you you know one to three beers is like you know right. my, my ideal <laughs> beer hole. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So let's um, Joe. This is where we're going to let you kind of go off and talk a little bit here. So I want to talk about you know the history history of barrel and really why did you want to start it? You know, you had hinted at drinking something barrel proof and saying, why isn't everybody doing this? But kind of go a little bit deeper with that. Okay. <laughs> um, well, as you, as we, we talked about before, I had, I had a different career. Um, and along the way, I spent a lot of time in the spirits industry, the spirits vertical. Um, and I made beer my whole life. Before you get too far, yeah. so kind of talk a little bit about that because I don't know if everybody remembers that. that. So kind of, you know, I know it was a history <laughs> of advertising. So yeah. so yeah, kind yeah. of give us a recap. Um, so I started an ad agency and uh, and then quickly found the internet and uh, and created a company that that did web application development, websites, online advertising, marketing. And we spent a lot of time um, building brands for various clients. And among those brands were were um, several spirits companies. We worked in Kentucky with um, um, <laughs> Brown Foreman. No, was no, 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 no. Uh, we, we worked, um, we worked, we worked, uh, on a number of, uh, brands in Kentucky. And then, um, then we worked on a lot of tequila. And then there was, there was a lot of different, very high profile brands that, that we, that we, um, had worked with. Um, the company here was Glenmore Distilleries, which was acquired by, um, UD, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so along the way, um, I made beer and I love making beer. And I, and I, so I realized that at some point I had a pretty decent palate. Um, and so, uh, the true story is several years later, my wife and I were at a distillery in New York and I had this moment where I was tired of writing PowerPoint presentations. I was tired of doing what I was doing and we talked it over and, um, and we came up with the concept of doing a distillery. Um, uh, that lasted about a week. Uh, <laughs> like most dreams. Until, yeah. until you start realizing yeah. what it really <laughs> takes to do that. And and so um, I still wanted to do the distillery, but I wanted to figure the best way to do that was to establish the brand first. So there were things that I knew that I didn't know and had to learn. Uh, spent a year getting everything lined up, uh, you know, rekindling old relationships with different people. And along the way, um, um, started, came up with the concept for Barrel Bourbon, which which was um, to be differentiated by being cast strength every release, 
Um, I wanted every single release to be different intentionally uh, and unique and of limited release. So there was only so much of it available. And, and to do, and I did that because I have a, a, an understanding of how consumers look at products and what they think and how they view things and how everybody's looking for the next new thing. Um, I did not want to replicate it. Um, um, and, and, uh, and I knew the difficulty of replicating the same product, uh, early in my career, I met Jim Cook and, uh, they, we, Boston beer, Sam Adams, mm-hmm. and we did, we did a little work for them. And, and uh, that's where I got my, that's where I got interested in making beer. And one of the things he said to me was, you'll never be able to produce this recipe over and over again. So that's, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I ruined the, you think yeah, at that yeah. point, maybe like the brand is destined to fail at that point, maybe yeah. something like that, or yeah. what was your kind of idea? Well, yeah. So, so I, you know, I spent a long time trying to make the same beer over and over again and, and I couldn't, and it was sort of interesting. I was very careful about it, but it, but I didn't. So anyway, back to fast forward to, to this concept. So I knew that uh, we were going to source a product. I knew that I wanted to create something different for in every batch. I wanted to have the packaging the same and I wanted to really focus on what's in the bottle and packaging. So this, this whole brand is about what you're drinking. It's the only important thing is not any kind of backstory. It's not anything made up. It's, and we're very clear that we're a merchant whiskey company. Um, and we, and so that is the focus and, and that is what we're going to continue to do. Um, we are in the process of building the distillery. We got all the, the permitting takes a little longer uh, than we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So there's obviously tons of startups who source whiskey, like, and it's interesting, like you decide to do the cash strength, you know, one batch, you know, per and not replicate it. Why did you do that? Did you say like, there's not this in the market or is that what you like personally? Uh, It's it's sort of both of that. Um, There was not, this did not exist in the marketplace. And part of the reason is, um, people are always looking for the next new thing to drink or eat or experience. And, um, and I, they don't, you don't go to a store and say, uh, do you have the same thing that I was drinking in the last hundred years? Cause I would really like to have another bottle of that. Well, a lot of people do that, but a lot of people go in and say, um, what's new? Yeah. What do you have that's new? And so what we wanted to do was to create a product that when people went to the store and they said, what's new, they would, the person working there or behind a bar would say, have you had the new? Barrel bourbon release or barrel whiskey or barrel rum, whatever. And, and that's what our focus has been. And people have responded to it and we're going to stay with that. <laughs> what, is, what is it about barrel proof that you think that you like and that consumers will get out of, I guess, versus having, you know, a 90 or a bottle and bond type product? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was simply a matter of the flavor. We love the flavor of barrel proof spirits. Um, you get, you, you, and you can, you have a lot, you can do what you want with them at that point. You can, you can dilute them. You can add ice. You can have water. You can put them in a cocktail. Uh, the, the flavor comes through in a cocktail, uh, if you want to drink it that way. Um, but, but it, the concentration, the essence of the flavor to me was, was everything. It was just, it's just there. You can taste it. You can taste the barrel. Yeah. Like five years ago, I didn't even know there was barrel proof stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, this is Trevor in the barrel, but yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. And so when I think about that, that same concept, do you think that, I mean, when you were trying to start this and, you know, you said you came from a spirits background, but not necessarily a, a distillation background, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of a, a home brewer mm-hmm. kind of background, right? So when you started getting into this, did you at one point think that maybe I'm a little too over my head, like I'm getting into the whiskey market, I'm trying to source barrels, do a blend, uh, try to hit a target market that 
who knows what they're going to react to. Like talk about what that felt like. Well, um, I think one of the things that's important in life is to know what your limits are and not, and get, get as far to that limit as you possibly can. I knew that I didn't have the skill set that Trip has. I knew I had to find that skill set. And, um, and I did. <laughs> Trip and I met. <laughs> we met. We were, were uh, blending, I think it was batch two. And we worked together ever since. Um, and along the way, I've learned more than you could possibly imagine about distillation science from Trip. And, um, and it's been an amazing experience. So, um, so uh, I, I, and the other thing that, that was very clear to me, I visited a lot of craft distilleries and realized that, that, um, some of the issues that they have were avoidable. In fact, the, the, one of the first conversations I ever had with Trip, and, and one of the things that solidified this is, is, uh, my, my thinking was, I'd met with a lot of the distillers who were talking about the problems they had and, you know, what happens when something goes wrong. And I remember saying to Trip, so Trip went, you're distilling here when this goes wrong, how do you get it back? And it was the look that I got back, the incredulous look of what do you mean when it goes wrong? It never goes wrong. It doesn't go wrong. How can it possibly go wrong? And I said, okay, I think that I understand a little bit more now about what I, how much I didn't know. So yeah. that was that experience. I got a question for Trip. So when, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're off the seat now. Yeah, yeah. We'll get back to your yeah, childhood second here shortly. Uh, so when Joe approached you about this, you know, you're coming from Brown Foreman. They're kind of a, it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, been doing the same thing forever. Like, you know, Barrel Proof back then was just coming. Not really many people like to read like, is this, this is crazy or this is great. Where were you thought your thoughts when he approached you about the company? Well, back up just a little bit before, before I actually met Joe, when I left Brown Foreman, I started a consulting company. And that's been five or six years ago and have worked with uh, craft distillers all over the country. You know, right as the as the boom started to take off, there were all these people that wanted to uh, get into this business that had money but not knowledge. And, you know, when you have the real conversation about putting millions of dollars into a facility that's going to create a product that in five years you hope somebody's <laughs> going to buy more than once, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of daunting. Yeah. So my biggest pitch to my customers was, you know, if you're sure you want to do this, okay, but why not build a brand first? So when I was with Kentucky Artisan Distillery for uh, a few years, did some work for them, and that's where I met Joe. And when Joe and I were talking about, you know, building his brand, I said, why did you build the brand first and not the distillery? And he said, because I know I don't have the skill set and why do I want to put a bunch of money into something that I don't know if somebody's going to buy? So right then, you know, it clicked and, you know, we were, we, we started blending together and, and everything was just, we have this unique language when we talk to each other, even <laughs> that we, we just know what the other's talking about. Yeah. And, you know, we did batch two and then batch three and then we did whiskey and, you know, just on and on and on. The ideas kept going and, um, you know, here we are. Why, why did you all choose blending versus doing like, you know, standard single barrels like people like to do, you know, why, yeah, why blending? It's a lot. I mean, you kind of see what that happens in the market now. It is a lot of MGPI single barrels that hit and, you know, people buy them up or whatever, but you guys went a little bit different route. So well, yeah, talk about that. I think when, when we, when we get our barrels, you know, we, we get these barrels 
from places that other people can get the same barrels if they put the time in, make the relationship, so on and so forth. And anybody can get those barrels and just put it in a bottle. You know, there, there's no magic behind that. Uh, what we like to do is take those barrels and put together unique blends that create a taste that is one, not available, and two, something that we've actually created. So we put our own spin on something. You know, we're not just taking something and put it in a bottle and saying, here you go. We're really doing something with it. Now, there are some instances where we find a barrel and it's like, holy cow, this is amazing. Yeah. That goes into our single barrel um, mm-hmm. selection. So that's that's where that actually started. Is that Joe and I sat down and had a conversation about a barrel that we found. And it's like, you know, I really hate to, to you know, screw up this flavor profile in this barrel. It's so good by itself. <laughs> Let's just do a single barrel. Yeah. You know, because when we were blending, it's like, well, single barrel goes against what we were doing, but it was so good. We wanted to give just to the product itself. Mm-hmm. So that's where the single barrel came in. I don't, okay. I don't mean to question, hog all the questions. I got one more. But uh, so when you're starting and you're sourcing these products, I'm kind of envisioning us like going to do barrel picks, you know, like me and Kenny just did one. And, you know, versus like a big group like 17A and B that's had relationships with distilleries. Like, obviously, they get like the honey barrel or, you know, they roll out the great stuff. So what is it like when you're starting up and you're sourcing barrels? Are they like, you're the new guy, uh, you know, how does that work? You know, are, are they kind of, you know, they got these companies that have existing relationships with, are they, how does that work with the, getting the source products? Well, they're not really the new guys too yeah. much anymore. Not anymore, <laughs> but I'm saying back in the day, whenever you're starting up. Well, uh, a couple of things. Um, um, it's, this is a relationship business. And, um, you know, over the years, uh, I've established, trips established relationships and um, we get, we go in or get product sent to us and we taste it. And we, um, we're at a, we're at a stage now where we couldn't possibly buy the amount of whiskey that's offered to us. <laughs> so we get to really pick and choose. And okay. so we get to pick and choose and lots. And we, we've done it enough that, that if we have a couple of samples from a production lot, we have a pretty good sense of what the range is going to be. And then we work with the barrels later further. So we, you know, because we can, we can, we can blend, we can tease out specific properties or characteristics or profiles by grouping the barrels together and blending them in a certain way. Um, as Tripp said though, then you've got those, you've got those single barrels that we put aside for our single barrel program that, that, um, that that's always a balance too, because you don't want to sacrifice the greater good of the batch for the single barrel, but you know, it's a balance. I keep trying to put them in my basement, but <laughs> I get vetoed on that every time. Hey, you he tell does. me where you live now. He does. He opens up, he's got his truck, the tailgate's down, the barrel's rolling out there. Already. So I was like, what should we do with this? Well, I got a spot in the basement for it. <laughs> no, age perfectly done. Yeah, it's a good aging environment. It's yeah. a perfect one. So what's the average bottle count when you say you're doing a small batch, right? Because there's no technical term of what a small right. batch is. So how small is a small batch to barrel bourbon? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question <laughs> because uh, I've seen small batches, not ours, but as large as, what is that? Huh? Six, seven, eight thousand gallons. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's probably the smaller side of uh, the small batch. I think there are larger ones that are small batches, but... But the, the answer to the question is, and this is, this is, I'm not being facetious. The size of the batch is largely determined by when we think it's the right batch size. So we have a target number in size that we like. Um, um, and, uh, and we try to hit that because we're, 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 you know, we're a company or a business and we're trying to figure out how many cases a year we're going to sell and how many we want to sell. And we divide it up by the number of releases. 
But the perfect example of that is batch 15. Um, we were looking to for a batch size about double what it is. And when we're blending it, it was done. And we can, we can t- talk more about that later, but that was done. And so that one was that size. Um, sometimes it's dictated by, um, by the product. Sometimes the, the product, um, there's a limitation of, of something we don't want to add, uh, more or older or different. Um, and so we don't and we will cut it then. Other times we can make the batch as large as we want. So it, it's, there's really no fixed set size on what we're going to do on that. So I, I, I know I'm an idiot. I have no idea what blending is or like what the process is. I assume that you're taking like small samples from each barrel and then blending them, you know, in a test lab or something. Does that, so blending them there, does that translate to like a bigger quantity or is it, you're like, this is awesome here, but then we do it, you know, a hundred X, does it not translate? Well, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of assumptions that go in yeah. to putting that blend together. So when we pull all these samples and we blend in a lab, we're making the assumption that <clears throat> the barrels that we took are 100% representative of the lots of those barrels. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. So by making that assumption, we're also making the risk that we can take whatever that formulation works out to be, put it in a tank, blend it the way we want it, taste it. And if it's not where it needs to be, then we're comfortable being able to go to the barrels that we have, find the flavors that are missing, add those to the blend. Okay. To get as close as we can to what we had in the lab. Gotcha. So it's a it's an assumed low risk yeah. is a kind yeah, of way yeah, to put it, yeah. right? Absolutely. The, the theoretical doesn't always most times it doesn't translate, but it's close. Yeah. And then we can dial it in by by adding yeah, I didn't know if you're like, well, I got four ounces here that are awesome, but I got 200 gallons and oh shit, it takes like, <laughs> we're screwed, you know, like dump it. No, no that's, that's a four letter word. Yeah. You know, we don't dump, we don't throw away anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we, we, we are, we have dozens and dozens of finishing experiments going on and, uh, and so nothing gets, nothing gets wasted at all. So if I had to guess you came from more of a, a tasting, a palate kind of background. You're you're very forward to going with the blending. Now, Trip, are you are you you know you take care of the distillation? Are you also you know pretty much a, a big part of this blending process as well? Absolutely. I mean, Joe and I pick the barrels together. We blend it together. We taste it together. If one of us is out of town, uh, they get a present overnighted. <laughs> it, it's it, that we taste and then have the conversation over the phone. We come to an agreement and make the changes accordingly. It, it is a hundred percent collaborative experience. Yeah. So, what's harder, blending or distilling? <laughs> um, Ooh, open-ended question. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily know that one is harder than the other. I think they're different. You know, they're they're completely different in their own rights. Whereas with you know, you've got you got the science side, you got the craft side, right? So, distilling and yeah, I like it when people include the fermentation, the yeasting, everything, because the distilling is the easy part, right? Um, there is a science that goes into that. So you have your yeast, you have a certain type of fermentation, and then you you distill what you've created in your fermentation and you create an alcohol. So you know there is a science behind what goes on there. While there is a science that goes on in blending, blending is more of the craft yeah. side or the or the um, um, artistic side. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. The artistic <laughs> side where we can we we have some latitude to to play with some things. We can take a few things and put it together and go, wow, I wonder what's going to happen here. If you do that with a fermentation, God knows what you're going to get, right? <laughs> right? So 
the, the blending side, again, is more, I guess, the, the crafting and, and the fun side and the distilling side is more of a, a science-driven uh, process. And before you get a lot of people saying, objecting to that, there is a science to the maturation process, of course. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. It's, but it's also, but it's also you, have, you have more latitude and more things you can play with and more, and more ways you can make adjustments. It's taste-driven in, yeah. in our instance. We, yeah. Literally, it's taste-driven. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we blend, you know, we started to blend, we blended to what we liked and people responded to that. So we figured we should keep doing the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that worked once and it worked again, let's do it a third time. Brilliant. <laughs> so you said in batch 15, you know, you hit a, a per certain point where you're trying to maybe double the amount of batch that you're mm -hmm. trying to get out. So how does scale play into this, right? If, if you, if you have this, this known entity, this known quantity that you particularly been doing and it, it's not like you're bringing on more people you're bringing in more barrels so how does scale really play a factor in making sure that you can replicate to what you want to do at a, at a much larger percentage ah. um well that's a good question um we started out with um you know our first batch i can't even remember how it was i want to say around under a thousand cases or something like that and um and, you know, we've steadily grown the batch size and we're going to continue to grow it. So we have two things we can push on. We can either um, make the batches larger or do more releases. And so mm -hmm. we're trying to balance both of those. We don't want to, we, we try to not overwhelm the marketplace with too many releases. Um, at the same time, we have a pretty good sense of the rhythm of the market and when it's time to do a new release. So, yeah, what is that schedule? Because yeah, what and why did you yeah. do batches? Like in number them, what what was the thought about that behind that? Um, Instead of using what, like, what? like spirit well, animals, could use letters, I guess. Not batches, or you know, just <laughs> I'd say spirit animals would make good wood, right? <laughs> this is the lion release. I'm trying to think of the quote, but you know, well, how 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 much time is between each batch? I guess are you like there's one batch a year or one every six months what it, i don't even know i mean yeah. it's it, it it really varies in the way in in it there are a couple of factors at play one is you know we're in our fifth year so we're expanding markets we're in about 35 markets now so we had to make sure that we had enough we made enough of each batch to cover the markets and the release of the market so we have to ex increase those and then depending upon the time of the year you know, the last quarter of the year is the biggest spirits consumption. So we would tend to put more releases in that period of time um, and also larger releases so that we can cover the marketplace. Um, we're this year, I think we're going to try to do we're looking at uh, four, roughly four bourbon releases plus the New Year edition. Um, we'll continue our single barrel program. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we sort of we can really do what we want. I mean, sometimes something may present itself that we want to do. Something is just so amazing. We want to do a, a, a release of something. The rum is a perfect example of that. Um, um, and so we, we leave that open. Uh, we'll do a couple of releases of rye this year. Uh, we are increasing the single barrel program and maybe extending it into other uh, spirits. Um um, we're really playing with the whiskey category. The American whiskey category is one that, that we, we love. And, um, we have a new thing we'll talk about later, um, that is going to, um, give us a large, even larger footprint in that, in that area. Oh, cool. So let's, I think that's a probably good segue. So Ryan, we should probably pour something. Yeah. And then what, let's, what should we try next, Joe? Trip. Do you want to stay with bourbon? 
we can try whatever. I don't mm-hmm. care. Your choice, Ryan. But while we're doing this, try, I have 15. Try bourbon. 15. Try 15. 15. Okay. 15. Let's do that. And then, um, so while we're doing this and while we're, we're sampling this out, I kind of want you to go ahead and give us a rundown of, well, first off, why the extra L? And then, because I, I think I that's was wondering that too. I was like, am I stupid or like, <laughs> what, you, what extra L? Yeah, it was like, uh, you mean they spelled it wrong? Yeah, they, you guys didn't, the, didn't put that through spell check before you sent it to the TTC. Is that why it was underlined in red? I thought they just liked it. So, yeah, let's let's talk about the extra L first before we start talking about all the different release or the different expressions and everything. Yeah, good. They got to get back to work. Yeah, we have to work. Well, as I told Fred the other day, bourbon, bourbon was taken. So we had to take the next one, which is barrel bourbon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, this is, this wait, wait is bourbon, bourbon's actually taken? No, it is. Oh, I was about to say. I, you know, I don't know, but it's actually, I, mean, I don't know. That, we'll have to check. How generic could you get if you saw that on the shelf and just said bourbon right across right. it? <laughs> um, well, we, uh, a couple of things. The It, it looks good. It's interesting. Um, uh, we thought it might raise enough enough questions uh, for people to ask us this question and then we can get to get them to try the product. Um, uh, it, it works also. Uh, it's a very interesting, it does interesting things in search engines. Mm-hmm. So um, it, you know, it does both correct to single L and also double L. And so that, that has helped and that, that helps us get the, get our, uh, our voice out there. Because we do, we do everything online and everything with social media and everything with with bloggers and everything with uh, third party endorsements. Um, so you probably know more, a good ad guy, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the the part of advertising is the part that doesn't work is a waste of money. So yeah. we put every dollar that we have is is absolutely put back into the company and and in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks good on the label, uh, and also more importantly. It, we wanted a word that said what we did. And so barrel strength, cast strength, barrel, it's from the barrel, it's of the barrel, it's about the barrel. That was about as close a word as we could use um, mm-hmm. and, and found. And and it worked. And it has a nice alliteration. It works with everything. Um, but you haven't said why the extra L, though. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, it looks good. Uh, yeah. Look, there's two R's and two L's. It's perfect. Look, look at that. <laughs> it's nice and even. There you go. That's yeah. the story behind it. Yeah, you know, I thought it might help on trademark, but that isn't true. It doesn't really help with the trademark um, at all because it's it's the same word, so it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't really help. But uh, you know, we uh, we saw it and we we liked it. I we know it just it just was different enough, and it, and it just it stuck. Right. There you go. It's that simple. There's no, there's no great story behind this one. <laughs> yeah. There's no, That's uh, there is no great story. <laughs> but I'll tell you a weird thing is there is a, there was a guy, I, I grew up in Boston and there was a guy in the 1600s named Joseph Barrel, spelled like that, who was a geologist, which is like sort of a weird thing. And, uh, and, um, and it had no connection, but I found that out later, and it was sort of interesting. So maybe he'll be your mascot or something. Maybe that could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so actually, the better story would be that's an old family name. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's there. You got it. The two L's are there because it's an old family name. That's, that's right. That's a much faster answer. It sounds that's like you went down the uh, the Google rat hole there. <laughs> <It> just, <yeah>. <laughs> 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 you just keep, just keep clicking until you can't click anymore. 
<laughs> All right. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about, you know, some of the, just the, the, what you have in, um, you know, what people can find on their, when they go to the liquor store, when they're looking, what exactly are they looking at? We don't have to get necessarily into individual mm-hmm. batches. I don't think that matters because as you had said, they're all different. Once it's gone, it's gone. Start looking for the next one. So talk about, you know, first we'll talk with the bourbon, then hit risky rye, so on and so okay. forth. Okay. So the flagship was the was bourbon because it's bourbon. And yeah. that's and bourbon is the easiest thing. Everybody wants to try bourbon. Um, the second product we release, and so we we, we like to have on a shelf, um, either in a bar or in a uh, um in a store at least two or three expressions of the bourbon because it gives people a choice and, and people who know can, can sort through it out and people who don't know, you can find out by looking at our website, um, what is there. So we also designed it in a way that, that we would, we could telegraph the bourbon from the uh, different from the whiskey, from the rum, from the rye. So that, that, that's fairly straightforward and clear. And also the, the whole packaging design was one that, that we knew that was going to be a big part of our, um, advertising and branding and messaging. And so we wanted it to be memorable and look like that. So, so we started with the bourbon, then we added American whiskey. Um, and the American whiskey category is terrific because there's a lot of latitude you have. You can do lots of different things with American whiskey. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it's largely an, an under, um, I don't want to say appreciated, but, but no, I bourbon that, is, that's probably not a bad uh, word to use, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if you go, I mean, you can, you can talk to somebody like Michter's, you see Michter's bourbon, you see American Michter's whiskey, uh, you see the same thing. I'm sure more people, at least that listen to this podcast are going to gravitate towards bourbon, sure. right? Yeah. The greater market, who knows? They think they're going there for bourbon. They see bourbon. However, I think American whiskey, as you said, it has a lot more potential of what it could be only because of you can do a lot of different things with it, whether it is um, reusing a barrel three times or whether it's anything like that. However, just hasn't made the splash yet that I think most, um, I don't say most consumers are going to start driving at and really reaching for. But I think you, I think you'll see it. I, and I, and I'm, I, I am, people get bored. So they'll look for yeah, anything. The issue has been the, the name, you know, it's a blended whiskey. And blended whiskey has, you know, for people who are older, it means grain neutral spirits and a little bit of something else put in it, blended into a thing. Our products are all blended pure from barrels. That's it. There's nothing else that, that is in there. Also, the whiskey category also gives us a lot of latitude with finishes. We can do a lot with that. I mean, we're purists. We we will. Can I say this? We will never finish. <laughs> probably we'll we'll probably never finish a bourbon. Um, unless we were using it as part of a whiskey. Um, because I think that the flavor of, I mean, that's, that's what the regulations are. It is, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Bourbon is what it is. Yeah. We, yeah. We play by the rules. It's, it is bourbon is not, is this is how it's defined. And so that's, that's how it is. And also there's a purity about it. There's something really nice about that. I'm um, sure a, a lot of folks would find that admirable too, because, uh, you know, you can, you can talk to other blenders and some people say that, Barrel finishes are the way of the future because there's so much different things you could do. However, there's this other segment of the market that are purists, right? And they want just a good bourbon. They don't want some other bourbon that's been masked behind, um, you know, a Madeira cast finisher or something like that, right? Uh, they, they want something that's pure. And I think uh, people can probably relate and gravitate towards it. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it uh, a 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. You know, you can you can talk to other blenders and some people say that barrel finishes are the way of the future because there's so much different things you could do. However, there's this other segment of the market that are purists, right? And they want just a good bourbon. They don't want some other bourbon that's been masked behind, um, you know, a Madeira cast finish or a, mm-hmm. something like that, right? Uh, they, they want something that's pure. And I think uh, people can probably relate and gravitate towards that. And I think that's kind of what led us into the whiskey yeah. to begin with, because it gave us that freedom to kind of play around with the finish. Yeah, and not mess with your and core product. With, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and the amazing thing is how much impact just uh, even a f- fractional amount of barrels that are finished can have in the hole. It's and you know we blend to subtleties. You know we, we're not we're not going to hit you over the head. I mean, if some of our other whiskeys, there's a, there are several different finishes in there, and if you really listen closely, you can pull them out. You can get them, but uh, but we like that because it's 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 the whole experience that that you like. So then we expanded into um, into rye next, um, and uh, you know you mentioned you know the ninety five percent or you know MGP or just buying MGP product. It, that's it. That's it. The ninety five percent MGP product is. Probably one of the greatest runs yeah. no, on the planet. Right? Yeah, so there has to be a reason why everybody, <laughs> yeah. why literally everybody buys it. Right? Yeah. So. yeah. But we wanted to do something a little bit different. We and we did our two rye releases are not straight ryes. They're they're whiskeys. They're rye whiskeys. Um, because we blended from different states. And so that that no longer makes it a straight. Um, the the one thing that we debated a lot is when you with rye when you call it a whiskey, there's you can put other in there flavoring. We will that's something we'll never do. We were again, that's to the purity. But we also didn't want to do the straight 95% rye because it's been done. I mean, it, it's out there and it's great. And maybe someday we'll do it. We have we have we have a couple of 
things that up our sleeve Insurance later, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> it wouldn't last long down there. You would not believe how big that basement <laughs> yeah. is or how much stuff he's got. It's pretty, it's impressive. It is impressive. And so, and so, th- so we started with, um, with a blend of a Tennessee batch one was a Tennessee rye and a an Indiana rye that we blended together. With there were different mash bills, totally it's different. It's the Kentucky people, huh? Just going, Just no, I'm get <laughs> going right above. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> and then in batch two was uh, the core of it was uh, a Polish malted rye that we tasted and loved, and we we bought it um, and we blended it with an Indiana rye. So so rye has been an interesting um, experience for us that that we're we're we love the flavor of rye, but we wanted to take a different take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rum, um, you know, rum is rum is another world apart from everything else. And <laughs> yeah. Why rum? Yeah. Why'd you, why'd you think, you know what, let's fuck it. Let's do a rum. Like what was, <laughs> what was the thought? Uh, why not? literally just, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, also, yeah, and also because, you know, we've been playing around with, with rums and blending rum a, a lot over the, you know, just kind of on our own. And, and, you know, rum is, if you, you know, um, if you read and when you read about rum, it goes from a, you know, basically a, a almost a grain neutral spirit of vodka to something that is that is that that the terroir is just mind blowing. Some of these, some of the real good Jamaican. The what terroir? What yeah, the, the, the I don't know what that the word essence, means. The okay. essence, the essence from the from the earth, from the grain, okay. from, from the minerals in the soil, from that environment. Everything that makes up that that product from that soil. Okay, and I should know that. I'm an ag guy. <laughs> <laughs> So the uh, so the the and the the we looked at a number of rums and and the the truth and the funniest part of the Jamaican rum that we had was we we met we met uh, somebody who had that rum and um, we were in a we were in the lobby of a Marriott hotel <laughs> and we're meeting and uh, and I will tell you I was about as far away from he as you are to me he opened the bottle. And I said, we'll take it. <laughs> it's that pungent. We, it was just that amazing. And then, you know, it's, it's a pot still Jamaican rum. It is just, it's, it's syrupy. It's thick. The essence, it's, it's just, we loved it. And so there's a, there's, a, we also think there's a pretty good crossover between people who drink whiskey and savor whiskey and people who are drinking and savoring the really, really fine rums. Um, and then, well, and are these rums, I mean, are they, I don't know where you're getting from and you don't have to divulge, but I mean, is it because you, we talk about, you know, we've had Fred on, we talked about rum pursuit. I mean, is it, is it the purest kind of rum where people aren't talking? Cause you know, rum, there's really no, like, this is what it is and cane, this is what it has right. to be. Yeah. So you're like, how do you know, you know, or I, I think he made a really good point in his book about how people say that it is, it's, it is not regulated, but it is, it is an intensely regulated uh, business by region or by island or by country. Okay. They have, they have a lot of standards and, and, and I didn't know that until I really started looking into it and it's, and it's, it's fascinating. Um, again, we go by taste. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, if we like the taste of it, um, then that's the right thing uh, for us. And I mean, are these rums, are they like barrel finished rums? Cause like bourbon mm-hmm. cask finished rums. I mean, is that, is it, we really think what you're going for is you're going for the, American whiskey drinker that also wants to get into rum. Is that kind of your thought process? Well, our first release of rum was the Jamaican rum that we, that was aged. Um, it was, uh, seven years old and it was aged in, uh, bourbon barrels in Jamaica. And then we bought it. We got it here. We immediately put it in our, we, it comes over in drums because 
there would be nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes over drums. Then we put it, we actually put that in our batch seven barrels uh, right away. And then we bottled some of it and we reserved some of it. And so the second release of the rum called the Tale of Two Islands is that Jamaican rum finished in Isla Casks. A year older. Mm-hmm. A year okay. older. Yeah. And that was a, that was a pretty cool thing. We had some, and we, we knew that, I mean, you, you can jump in anytime. You know, the, uh, you know, we, we experimented with lots of different finishes, but hands down, the, yeah. the, the surprise was. Yeah, we had eight or 10 different little bottles there. And Joe and I sat down one afternoon and said, what are we going to do next? You know, what's, what's kind of cool. And we took some of the most awful wall stuff you can think of and, and we're, we're putting together with whiskey. It's like, you know, none of this stuff is really all that great. And then it's like, well, <laughs> let's try scotch. I mean, scotch and rum, no way. Yeah. We tried it. It was like, wow, this is really? it. It was That's just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we went with it. Interesting. And then, so, and then the, the, Ali is the region like where Lafroig and all that's mm-hmm. from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We can't tell you where the barrels are from. <laughs> right. I mean, but the, but the, you but, can, but what's really nice about those barrels editing job. Is, is the, the Kentucky distillery that used them first is on one side and the, Distillery in Scotland that used them is on the other side. It was kind of cool. That, right. that is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. You can still just barely see the, <laughs> the stamp uh, on the, it. the stamp from yeah. the, the bourbon distillery. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the but the rum is a relatively small part of our. Port. It, it's more it's more because we like it. You know. Or, or and, did you have a timeshare down in Jamaica? And you no. needed to visit it more. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep pushing that. Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, we have to have a we need to have an offsite with a breakout and whiteboards and yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do some brainstorming and we'll go down there. We'll team, meeting. Yeah. Yeah. team meeting. Yeah, I think Jamaica <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. I'm up. I'm down for that too. <laughs> you can get that to moderate. And so, yeah, that's right. Another one that we didn't talk about that was in the bourbon category was the, you'd mentioned earlier is the New Year edition. So, kind of talk about the idea of, of why the New Year edition. You want me to do that one? Sure. Give me, give me, give me a break. <laughs> the, the New Year bourbon is something that we came up with uh, a couple of years ago where we could pretty much it was, you know, no holes barred. Let's take as much bourbon as we can find that we like. And let, let's put it together and come up with something that's just crazy. And literally, that's, that's what it was. We just we started getting stuff from everywhere and throwing it all together. And I think the, the first one had uh, three or four different states in it. it was a little more. Five yeah, different yeah states. I think it was five. And then uh, this, this past year, I think it had seven or eight different states in it. Uh, and it's just, it's another little fun of project. Bourbon of like <laughs> straight bourbon. Straight yeah. bourbons wow. yeah, yeah. from different states. And we would just, you know, get a few barrels here, a few barrels there, and like, well, let's just try this. Let's just try that. And it just it gives us another little project that we can play with and uh, blend stuff from all over the country. I mean, didn't you think also the um, – I, I thought it was going to be easier than it was, but there's so many different mash bills that – that all have different frequencies of flavor, you know, mm-hmm. and, and barrel and profiles it, yeah, and everything. It was, it was just, it was, it was, it was, it took more time. We thought it was going to be easy. Yeah. It took more time. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't. It, yeah. It, I think it took a lot of time. Yeah. I think if you're sourcing, cause I mean, I think it's, it's pretty easy if you're getting it from these three major regions, right? Kentucky and a, Kentucky, Indiana, and Tennessee. Kentuckiana. Kentuckiana. Kentuckiana C. So the barrel bourbon. It, but, but as soon as you start expanding out, I'm sure it's harder and harder to find a lot of those barrels to source because of new entrance to the market, maybe not aged as well, uh, climates, everything like that. Sure. Right. So I'm sure it definitely had a but little it's, more of a uh, advanced characteristic to it. it. So it. But it's also cool to take barrels from those different regions 
and try to capitalize on the flavors that come from that region. So something from Minnesota might not have this this great crazy barrel characteristic like we get here, but the the liquid that was put in there might have been such a great liquid that all it needed was a little bit of the uh, a little bit of barrel contact to pull some of the toasted flavors out. And, and maybe it's not as dark, but it makes up for that with the flavor. And part of the new year was mm-hmm. trying to find cool new flavors from different regions in the country that were driven by the maturation uh, environments and incorporate those into uh, in, into a blend with uh, some bourbons that we usually use. Yeah. And you contrast with something from Texas where it probably boils away. <laughs> right. I don't know how you make money in Texas. It only kills half a barrel. <laughs> yeah. The angels get plenty there. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, then you've got then you've got a lot of barrel profile there to play with and balance it off. But that's that's been a really fun project, seeing the different products from around the United States. There's a lot, there's a lot of good product out there. Absolutely. And so the last one we talked about is the, the Infinite release. Did I say that correctly? It's the, the Infinite Barrel, barrel Project. project. <laughs> okay, so... Go ahead, spill. Like, what, what's, all right. what's it all about? Okay. The thinking here is that I bet you have an infinity bottle somewhere. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. okay, okay, okay. All right. So, people, you know, it's sort of an interesting idea that people... Explain for people... I know what it is, but explain for people what is an infinity bottle. Um, it's usually a a an old wedding gift that you had that was a decanter that you don't know what to do with and was sitting that on the shelf. That is exactly my case. And then one night you you're, looking, it on the head. <laughs> you're looking at it one night and go, hmm, if I put a little of what's left in this bottle in there and then I add a little of the next one, I wonder what it tastes like. And so that's that's how the thing evolves. There was probably, there was probably a lot of people who were more deliberate about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but People have infinity uh, bottles, and um, don't, if you have an infinity bottle, don't make the mistake I did. People thought it was house bourbon, and not Ooh. my infinity bottle, and uh, it got really dinged on Derby last year. But so it's <laughs> slowly building its way up. But oh. you know, don't do that. <laughs> Hide your infinity bottle. Hide it. Yeah. So we 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 spent a lot of time just talking about ideas and things, and we have a we have a stack of ideas of things that we're going to do, and. And um, and Trip and I and Will Schrager, our national director, who is probably the most knowledgeable person about spirits that I've ever met in my life. I mean, it's I don't know how he crams it all in his head, but he does. And so we were kicking around some ideas, and um, and we came up with the idea of what if we came up, what if we had a whiskey that we started with, and then just as we bottled, we added more whiskey to it. And we're like, oh, and so, and so that's sort of a nod to the infinity bottle, and and um, and so then Trip found a, um, which we're still in the process of acquiring a. It's it's a huge barrel over in France <laughs> that we may or may not have to have custom made, but it's going to be, you know, it can be a couple of thousand gallons wow. of, of American white oak that will be toasted and charred to our specifications that this project will live in. So we're going to get it shipped to us, and, and the 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 liquid that we're putting in into the Infinity Project is going to be in that barrel all the time. We're going to pull some out and then put some back in, and it's just going to be this ongoing thing. So we're adding liquid to it, but it's also changing because it's still in a barrel. 
That's awesome. But until then, <laughs> until then, we have to put it back in the small barrels. But the the issue there is there. I think there's people living in that barrel, so we have to wait <laughs> until, they, until they move out, and yeah. if they move out, we'll be able to get it. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, it's the, the project is just like the name, right? It, the th- the thought that you're going to take what a few gallons from every barrel and keep throwing it in there, like what's or what's or the a few hundred gallons? Barrels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We throw well, I mean, I meant yeah. from here until infinity, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. whenever bourbon's not a thing anymore, yeah. God, heaven forbid, right? Don't, don't but, say such a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's heresy. Well, you know, the, and what, what we're doing is when we uh, we just finished the bottling of the first release, um, and it hasn't shipped yet, and um, and we're doing it by bottling date. So that bottling date was February twelfth, I think it is. Yeah, um, and so on our website, we'll list the whiskeys that are in there, and then the next bottling, which is. Actually, already. Yeah. Um, That's why I'm so dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all morning. Yeah, and <laughs> is um, uh, we will uh, what we, we will indicate what we replaced, what whiskeys we replaced the initial bottling with on the website. So, so it's dri- all driven by the date. So, on the front of the bottle, you'll see the the bottling date, and that's and then that will give you an indicator, so you can go to the website and see what exactly was in there. Um, and it's all barrel strength, uh, cast strength, and. Um, um, what we have found so far is uh, we really like we really like what we got. So every Infinity bottle I've tasted, or like when I go on barrel picks, you know, and you have like the, the all the samples left together and you throw yeah. them together, right. they always like turned out to be like the best thing, you know, of any single barrel. And you know, it's it's crazy how that happens. It was, it was pretty incredible. We, when we put it together, we we pulled a bottle out of it, and we're you know one afternoon we're sitting around having a drink, and it's. Like, okay, that's all we it's do. good. <laughs> you know, it's it's good. I just wonder how it's going to be accepted, and, and and you're always asking these questions because it's always so different. Yeah. And so we gave it to a few people, and the the feedback we were getting was was amazing. They're just like, wow, this is this is the best whiskey you guys have blended yet. And it's like, oh, really? That that's that, that's awesome. So it was. Uh, so we we felt a lot better about putting it out there that it wasn't just going to be Joe and me uh, buying the product. I think <laughs> we just we were just down the the uh, New Orleans Bourbon Festival and we brought it with us and th- that was we got a lot of real oh, yeah. real time feedback on yeah. that. It was, it well, was I think different nice. is good because bourbon's great, but like I said, people get bored and like you're ready for. At least I am. I'm always looking for the new the next sure. thing. Like dabbled in a rum when Fred showed those rum, I was like, oh man, this is. Something different I enjoy, so I think different is not a bad thing. Be careful tasting rums with Fred. Yeah, I was, that day I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Those are, I had to he's a professional. I had to clear my afternoon. After that. <laughs> yeah. So, Joe, you had mentioned that you said you have a, a stack of ideas that you all want to do, and you know when you think about what you can see in the marketplace and uh, what shelf space, mm-hmm. what it takes. Why, why keep going with new ideas? Um, you know, because it seems like you, you're, you're trying to push out something, maybe whether it's the rum or the rye, the bourbon, multiple batches now in fit. Like you're trying to do something new every single year and you're trying to make it a um, a consistent line item, right? So what is there is there going to be a, an end here of, of your ideas that, I mean, at some point you're going to run out of colors to put on the, the, front <laughs> of the labels here. But I mean, what's, what's the idea of just keeping it of status quo instead mm-hmm. of just, you know, Going, going haywire with ideas still. 
Well, I think uh, um, I think our core customer has really come to expect that. I think they, I think they like the idea of the new release of a, of a bourbon. So within the, within the spirit type, um, having a having a something different and new to look forward to is what we are continuing that and and people like that. Um, we're going to continue the single barrel program, which is a little bit above that, and then we have another. We're going to do another different release uh, that we're going to get to later this year. That is that are those things that are just that we think are that exceptional that don't even fall into any of those categories. So, so we're going to stay with that. Um, it, it and the we also consider um, projects like the Tale of Two Islands to fall within the rum. It's within the rum category. Um, but there's a lot of other places we can go with rums where we're innovating different little or trying different little changes and new things. Um, also, it's interesting and it's fun. And so how cool <laughs> is it to come up with an idea and then bring it to fruition and have other people tell you that it, it's great. It's yeah. the best stuff they've ever had and all these different things. I mean, it's, it's really cool to be able to bring something to the table for people to enjoy and get that feedback. Yeah. But it was just a, just yeah. a thought. You know, we love what we do and, and, um, and we like to share what we do with other people. And I think that the people that are people who buy our products, I think that a lot of them understand that and they appreciate it. So it's, it's just amazing. It's fun. It's so, every day is a new fun day. Yeah. We don't want to do the same thing every day. That's right. <laughs> every day is a very different day for us. I have to say. So trip, is there any ideas he comes over you with and you're like, man, that's just not going to work. What, what are you thinking? <laughs> you're like, we're gonna- it, it's usually like, how do we make this work? <laughs> yeah. You know, no, we don't, we don't ever say no. You know, it's not possible. We always yeah. come up with a way to do it. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. but having said that, there are dumb ideas. <laughs> yeah, but what's give me a dumb idea? What's um, give me an idea that you just rejected? Um, oh gosh. So you can let somebody else go out there the, and try it, and then fail. The, the garlic flavored bourbon, I think. Oh, there <laughs> you go. The garlic pickle bourbon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there there are no right. failures. <laughs> Mixed with pickle juice. Oh, well, that's that's oh. a pretty popular drink, from what I understand. Uh, it's Bur- a, bourbon with uh, followed up with pickle juice. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen that. I don't think I can. I don't do think that. it's for me, but yeah. now hard pass. dollar me. has it. <laughs> do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and actually, I got I got another question here. Um, this is really more for Joe. Um, you know, how long was it that you thought about doing this until you actually started sourcing the product? This actually comes from one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. And how big was really your first purchase when you when you were looking into this? Yeah, it was almost a year to the day. The, the the it was the Saturday after Thanksgiving when the inspiration hit and we bottled the first product in November of that year. So it was almost a year, and we sold we we sold our first case um, <laughs> in January fifth of that year. And, oh, that's my birthday. Yeah, it was only <laughs> birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was a uh, it was um, it was a Saturday. It was there was, was a Friday. It was snowing like crazy and in New York City. And it was Park Ave Liquors. And I went in and just said, hi, you don't know me. Um, <laughs> You're buying my product. <laughs> what do you think? And uh, and they they tasted it, loved it. They bought five cases. And I said, well, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, right, then when the was When was happened. the tipping point for the brand? Like kind of made it, you know, just a local to a national, you know, big national type recognized company. I don't think that, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, we're, I don't, we're, we're not anywhere near where we think that the top of the market is. Um, I, uh, we, you know, we've been slowly expanding carefully into States. Um, 
And um, I don't think that there really was a point. No. Now that will sneak up on you. Oh, the rum? Yeah. I, just, I just poured myself some rum. Yeah. So he's like, you better watch out. Yeah, be careful. Yeah. Oh, and I poured, I poured a little sure. healthy. Yeah. Little it, healthy. It, it you drink. say it's 132? It, yeah. It, it doesn't drink like 132, though. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, another kind of follow on with that is mm-hmm. when you were buying these, I mean, did you buy it with the intent that you're going to sell it right, right away? Or did you buy, say, a younger product? Uh, we're going to age it and we'll figure it out down the line. Like well, most. The first time, I mean, everything everything is a test, you know, and and um, and I literally did take the first blended product to the to the handful of people that I thought were were expert and would give me that real would give me real feedback. They'd say this is awful or it's great, and that's what I wanted. So the first the first couple of iterations really were to to prove the proof of concept, and once the proof of concept happened, then we started investing and buying it. and we you know we we look at. Every Everything and um, we look at everything like what can we use now and what will be good soon or what will be good in the long term. So you just we just start picking and saving and filling in, and um, it's just been a whole long process of of doing that of, of finding and then and as I said, this year is and even really last year has been um, we have this, we have hard decisions to make <laughs> of what we're going to buy that are that are spectacular whiskeys that we've come across that. That that's the hard part. That is the hard part of saying no to things. It's easy to say no to bad whiskey. That's not a hard one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's hard to say no to good whiskey. I mean, because well, that sounds like a Mark Twain thing, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, when you when you think about it from that perspective, how how often are you able to, actually able to say no because of it's? I mean, as the market continues and more people enter it. You're not going to, the, the competition is not going to slow down. So how do you say no to good whiskey to think, okay, well, somebody else could pick this up and, and run with it instead of you just saying, okay, I'll, I'll keep taking it. I mean, mm-hmm. do you, is there, is there a problem with that? Is there a shortage? I mean, what, what's, what's your, what's your thought process? It's a big market. We have a big market. And also um, we're confident that just because you have the same whiskey that we have, you may not be able to do what we did with it. Fake reference, but um, <laughs> another mark. But yeah, but no, but 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 seriously, um, you know, there are other people have access to the same whiskeys and they blend them differently and they get a different outcome. Or they put them directly in the bottle. Or they yeah. Or yeah. they don't even. T- or they don't taste it. You know, they just they just source it, put it in the bottle, and put a label on it. I mean, there's there's a lot of that in this in the market, um, and we just take a little more care. So um, I mean. I, I, and you can't ask me the follow-up question of who it is, but we, yeah, we start now. We had that experience of, you know, I, I knew that, that another company bought the exact same product that we did, um, even the same production day. And, um, you know, we just blended it differently. The rise. I'm, it's so different. I like it. I love it. It's yeah. Like, I'm like any rye I've ever had. That was, I mean, that was our goal with the rye, really. It, yeah. You know, it's most people think of a rye, they have that big, bold, in your face right. spice bomb. Yeah. And while we didn't want to completely eliminate that, we wanted to round it out with some other flavors. Yeah. So there is the, the traditional spicy uh, rye flavors in there, but we rounded wow. it out with some, uh, some, some sweeter, fruity floral notes. That's what I say. It's very also, fruity for yeah. a rye whiskey. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It reminds me. Kind of reminds me of like red breast or something, like an Irish whiskey almost. I don't know. I don't know why. 
That's good. I can tell you with 100% certainty there is no Irish whiskey in our ride. <laughs> <laughs> there it's is, however, Irish whiskey in the infinite. In the infinite, yeah. In the infinite, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, we like it. It's 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 that the malted barley, the I'm sorry, the malted rye is a particularly nice. Yeah, a, a it's nice very flavor. unique. I like yeah, it. Yes, and batch fifteen, uh, you know, is one of those. Um, it, you can talk about that. It was you know that those. I don't even remember that, batch fifteen. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> the one, uh, the one with the, uh, the with the fruit notes that we got to and okay I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm stuck on today's okay. couple on projects so, <laughs> so one of the things that we both really like um, are those tropical fruit notes or the fruit notes or as I said to somebody are they juicy fruit and they looked at me like what's a juicy fruit and he well, said you mean some good bubble gum then. Yeah. That's right. well that's what I thought and they said he said you mean dragon fruit I said yes dragon fruit that's yeah. exactly what I meant what's dragon fruit close. I don't even know what yeah I've never had dragon fruit oh the um I've had passion fruit. No, no, dragon fruit is a flavor of um, of uh, vitamin water. Oh, oh so okay. it tastes like so. Okay, dragon fruit tastes like juicy fruit. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so I'll we take, like we like it. those we like those those tropical notes and and you get those in, in older some of the older bourbons um, and but they're very elusive and they're subtle and it's easy to blend them away, which is how we got to the smaller batch of batch 15, which is we were blending it and we tasted it and it was there. And we just said, stop. Because, I that. Okay. Now you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, what if we added some of this? And it was like, no, yeah, no don't we're mess done. it up. We don't there. want to mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> don't screw with it. So that's something that I really like about 15. It's, uh, and I'm a little fickle. I mean, I'm fickle to the point where the new release is my favorite anyway. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I do like, I do like that one a lot. So I kind of want to move a little bit into what's happening right now, right? Mm-hmm. We, we had hinted at it earlier in the show. We're going to come full circle and, and kind of talk about the new operations that you're building. Um, so talk about to the point of, are you, are you contract distilling today or just straight sourcing as you're, as you're building out your new distillery? Contract sourcing, meaning? Are you contract distilling? Distilling. Oh, okay. Well, let's start with, we, we decided to do the, least sexy distillery you can imagine. <laughs> that was our intent. The intent was, uh, it's a data, it's a data, it was an old data facility. It was built to withstand bombs. It's like know? a Faraday cage. <laughs> there is oh, yeah. yeah. And so there was a, you know, a clean room where we do the bottling and it has, we have air handlers in there that, that we have the, I would say that, I would say unequivocally our, the people who work in the bottling room have the, Best treated air yes. in Kentucky. Climate <laughs> control, moisture control, right. everything. It's perfect. There, there are there are three units in there that, that that are the size of this room that that keep the thing humming. Yeah, I, uh, I work in IT, so I've been yeah. in plenty of data okay. centers in my life. Yeah. So I've, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Got some clean air, and, and also yeah, it's cleaner, and also raised floor, like everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and so and not anymore. It's gone. The, uh, so the um, the other thing about it is. Um, uh, it uh, it got us to within inches of of the fire coding fire the building code that we needed to distill. So it was it was an easy decision to do that. Um, and the and the their control room is our lab. 
And this so is all in Louisville, out. by the way, for everybody. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we're not, we're just, and, and we started with, with what we know. We started, we moved the bunny operation in there and the bombing operation in there. Um, and, uh, now all of our permitting is done. It took a little bit longer than we thought. And, um, we got our DSP in the summer. And so we're now sorting through exactly how we're going to build. So we're not, we're not distilling yet. We're still, we're still, uh, trip is still designing and, uh, as we go and, um, and, uh, we're looking at the end of the year, maybe to be done, to be ready. It's, you know, some of that's out of our control. Some of that is simply when somebody decides to finish building the thing that we need. Are you, are you like scratching, like really itching to the point where you really want to start distilling or are you kind of like, well, you know, right, we can get there when we get there. I've pretty much been itching for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think probably when Joe talked to you, he, he, he sold you on these dreams of where it's going to be. And you're, oh, we you're like, no, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> sell me on anything. Nope. We were, we were nope. in line the whole time. Good. No. Nope. 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 No, the, don't ever promise. Yeah. The, the great thing about the distillery for us is that it's going to give us the ability to create all of these flavors that we're looking for. So right now we go to different, the different distilleries or wherever we're getting our barrels and we know kind of what these flavors are going to be. And if we need a certain flavor, we go to, to that area and pull one of those barrels. And uh, so the distillery is really going to allow us to get even more complex in our products because we can now through different yeast strains, different uh, grain bills, uh, different fermentation temperature profiles, different distillation techniques, all of these things can create different flavors. So we can literally create what we want. And when it's ready, we now have, you know, an infinite amount of flavors to pick from. That sounds like a pain every, in the ass, though. Every, like doing all these different mash bills, having to reset, clean. What do you think? I mean, every time we do a batch, we have to file a cold yeah, and redo everything. Yeah. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. <laughs> so is that your all's plan to, to do all the different mash bills that you love and kind Absolutely. of recreate them? Okay. And then just layer those into our blends. Our model's not going to change. I was about to say, I was like, it, it is changing a little bit where you're distilling it. I mean, and, and I guess the, the real question is, is why distill when you haven't had a problem getting barrels before? It, yeah, here you go. Because it, it allows us to create even more complex and different products. Um, like I said, so we can create the, the different flavors using yeast and grain. Um, so we can take the stuff that we're sourcing and add other things that we want to even further um, – what I'm looking for. Further exemplify the, right. the flavors yeah. that are that are available. It gives us some, a bigger uh, sandbox to play in. We we can do more. Why did not think of it? Yeah, sandbox. <laughs> well, I use that because it's <laughs> so much easier. Term. It's, easy. <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a um, uh, the uh, where we've played around with uh, scenarios of using um, relatively low percentage of um, of our barrels to a higher percentage, and and you know we'll we'll we will complement and supplement the where we're going. Um, essentially, barrel craft spirits becomes a customer of barrel distilling, even though it's the same company. We're not, <laughs> we're not selling. We're not going to sell our product to anybody else. But but um, but but we just love the idea of having that. Of having that dimension that we can control, inventory okay. control, yeah. we can play. Yeah, I mean, there's things that uh, that I've tasted the trip is still that is that that are pretty amazing, and the idea that we could actually have that and layer that into whatever it is else we have is just it's mind blowing. We can, we can just. Would you take your own distillate and blend it with other products that you're sourcing from now? Is that a possibility? 
Don't you, know. You maybe. Mean, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, are you going to stop sourcing at that point? No. No, that's not. Okay. That's, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, yeah. Um, no. it, as our products mature and they get to the point where we like what's there and we want to use it, we'll just layer that in with the source products where uh, we're getting now. And like Joe said, it's a big, bigger sandbox playing. We have all the stuff that we're sourcing now, plus we have everything we're going to be making. We've got all kinds of stuff to play with. Yeah, yeah I can envision I can envision buns being our own. As I said, I don't know. I can envision blends being our own product only. I can envision us um, using our blend with something else that complements it, um, or and even doing some releases still that have nothing of ours in there. Yeah. It's 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 really why it is literally wide open, and we're just giving ourselves options so that we, as we expand, we can produce more and different things. We're, our model isn't going to change. It'll evolve. It's not going to change. When you do release these, will, will you be like, this is a barrel, you know, barrel bourbons only blend versus a barrel with other blends? Like, would Absolutely. you be transparent about that as well? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Of course. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, because... Not that I care, but some people would. No, <laughs> no, when, when, no, we can't wait to put on the label that this is this is partially ours, all ours, none of ours. Right. <laughs> whatever, whatever the combination is. No, that, we look forward to that day. Mm-hmm. The labels are ready to go. So what was the idea of building this is, because don't get me wrong, I don't think there's a distillery around here in Kentucky that is being built that is not revamping it for a destination, for visitors, for everything like that. What was your idea of just saying, like, we're just going to have a factory, like make it whatever it is, right? Because I know even... Heaven Hill's looking at making even Bernheim, their factory, a place where people can put on hard hats and go walk around because mm. nerds are getting into it. So yeah. what's what's your what's your thought? Well, if I don't know if you've ever been on that side of the business, but you know, distilling and 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 barrel aging and making your product is a whole business in and of itself. When you add a gift shop and tourism, those are separate businesses. You've got to have new models. You have to have people to run those businesses. And that's just something that takes away from what our focus is, which is really what we're putting in this bottle. So what Joe and I talked about was creating a bare bones facility that from a science aspect uh, and through some, some innovations that we've come up with, allow us to create all of these things that we've been talking about and not, and not have all these frills. You know, we're not going to have some big, beautiful distillery that everybody can come see. We're literally going to have a uh, a big room with the the bare bones necessities to create great bourbon. The yeah. factory. <laughs> the factory. The factory. Mm-hmm. It's a different business. It's a, a totally different business model. And it's just not something that we really we really want to do. We, we're – everybody's busy, but – and not and we love interacting with people, but but we want to do it – we want to make this the place we do all the work and that's it. Yeah. It's not to say yeah. three years down the line, you couldn't yeah. revamp it or right. do something or, right. or do an offsite, yeah. you know, yeah. like the Evan Williams experience downtown or something, yeah. you know, something like that. If, yeah. if, if the business gets to that point, we're not against, you know, going outside this place and making a nice big place. But, you know, whereas Heaven Hill's got a little bit deeper pocketbook than we do, <laughs> you know, that, that tourism is, is great for them. Plus it's educational. And they, they'll have somebody that will take care of those things. And I hope we get to the point where we yeah. can provide that. Yeah. And the other part of it is is our business isn't dependent on tours and selling T-shirts. You know, we we sell merchandise. Not yet. Yeah. The merchandise we sell is, you know, a little bit of our, above our cost because people have asked for the product. Then we and we and we design it, provide it. And 
Um, and, and that's great, but it's not, we're not in the t-shirt business or we're not in the sweatshirt business. And, um, it, and it, you know, that, that takes a, a fair amount to manage it. I mean, we have somebody managing it now and, uh, it's, it's a big job just doing that. Um, so, uh, you know, the, and spending time again, spending time from the day, uh, during the day, uh, um, you know, doing tours is just not what we want to do. You know, our time in the market, when we're not there, we're out meeting people and meeting distributors and meeting retailers and meeting owners and, and, and hanging that's out with podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, is, this has been a fun day. So. Oh, yeah, it's been a blast. <laughs> and so, Joe, another another kind of question towards you. I mean, we've known each other for probably a little over a year now. Um, you know, we, we were talking about when you were trying to buy a house and try to find something here in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And... And I think I remember asking you, and I think it's a, a good way to kind of put it to our guests as well is, you know, if, if you're looking to build a factory model, like why Louisville, why Kentucky? Like you, you can, you can start a distiller anywhere and you can probably pay less taxes in less states or in other states as well. So, so why, why focus the model here uh, rather than going somewhere else? That's a good question. He wouldn't, um, he wouldn't go get me to move. <laughs> so that's the first reason. Is Trip's got too much stock in his Trip, basement. Trip wasn't going to move. Uh, well, the fact is, um, I fell in love with Kentucky the first time I came here twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. It was just, I, I just loved, I loved this, I loved the place. Yeah, I really liked it, and um, and you know, we were lucky enough to be able to do this. And I commuted for many years part time. We kept all of, our, all of our operations were based here. Um, and, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to move down here full time. The, the, the main reason is the resources here, everything, everything that we need is here within, I mean, we can reach out from where we are and touch the, the right fabric, uh, fabric here, the right welder, you know, anything, anything is right here. Um, um, the raw materials are here. Um, uh, the knowledge base is here. The resources are here. Um, and it's Kentucky and people, you know, and for, for good or bad, um, Kentucky is associated with bourbon period. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like still a lot of people don't realize I went to the Jim Gaffigan made. show and he was like, I love Louisville. It's the only place that has their own alcohol. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's not alcohol, it's bourbon. <laughs> you must drink it with no ice, no mixers. <laughs> and everybody that you were dealing with, the population of 100% of bourbon experts. Everybody yeah, exactly. Everybody. We, all, we all think experts. we know what we're talking about. <laughs> it comes with the we, driver's license. We think license. we know bourbon and basketball, you know. That's we, we think we do. I think, I think that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> And so uh, kind of another question before we start wrapping this up is storage, right? Um, you know, we're, I, I've, I've read that you are housing a lot of barrels at Castle and Key. Um, trips basement. The trips yeah. basement. <laughs> so at what point are you going to start running out of storage? Or are you going to start building uh, facilities to yeah. be able to house barrels? And, yeah. you know, we make the call. To we, know, we know Donald Blinko <laughs> now. So like, what's, what's, what's your, what's you your know, thought? The funny thing is we, we, we even delay taking ownership sometimes because we're going to put it, you know, it's, and so it, it is, it's an issue. And, um, we've actually come up with, um, uh, we're going to continue storing barrels where we store them, but we've come up with, I think a solution that we're working on, um, to have our own warehouse space. Um, but we're not going to do it the way we're not going to go out there and spend a million dollars, build a rick house. <laughs> uh, it'll be something a little bit different, but, um, that, that, that's a good question for, 
six months from now, yeah, if we make that happen. Yeah, the follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it looks like it looks like what we want to do can be done, and so now it's just a question of seeing of making it happen. But it, it's no big mystery. It's a it'll be a warehouse space in Kentucky that we will be able to keep our product on our own, and um, yeah. That's where that's simple. That's that. what we're doing. It's that simple. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, you got a barrel, you got to put in a building and you put it in <laughs> place on land. It's got to sit there for a long yeah. time. Yeah. 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 So we're working on that. Yeah. That's, that's a problem. That's probably not going to disappear. All right. So, so last question as we sort of wrap this up is, do you feel that you may have started a, a revolution of brands that have started following suit? Um, because we had, we had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, when we were talking about, you know, just, sourcing um, people that say they take a bunch of MGPI and they put it together in a, you know, they blend it and then they put it out and it's a, it's a hundred dollars in a pretty glass. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know. We don't know the, the history and the background as much as you all we do now, but you guys were doing this years ago. Mm-hmm. So do you think that you've kind of started a, an idea of just source it wherever we can create barrels, put it out there, cash train, because it seems that when we look at, things in the market that are coming from mic drop, OKI, like you, you can, you can go on and name all the MGP or source barrels that are going either single barrels or it's blended in small batch. Um, however, they're, they're kind of newcomers to this market, right? Do you feel that you kind of started carving that path for other people to start venturing that way too? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Well, um, Probably. Um, and as I said earlier, it's a big market. We're confident in the product we put in the bottle. And uh, it's all about establishing uh, uh, awareness and um, and a following. And, and we've done that. I mean, we're also we're this is all we do. This is our this is our full time thing. This is not part time. We're not doing something else. It's actually and, two full time jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's at least two full time jobs. But but. But they're both in the same business. That's true. That's true. That's good. <laughs> so, so our focus is is total and complete. And you know, it's a it's a big market, and there's plenty of room on the shelf. I think that I think you're seeing you are seeing a couple of things happen on the shelf. You're seeing a consolidation of some of the traditional brands. Um, they're not selling any less, but it's just they're they're there's a little bit of consolidation. You're seeing, ex- but you're and you're also seeing expansion of the shelf. So if, if, if it was a hundred feet at one point, um, now it's 200 feet of, of real estate in a store or in a, or in a bar. So you're seeing that there's room out there. Um, but there's also, there's a, there's a point of, I think as the, the customer, the end drinker is more sophisticated. They know the difference between, um, somebody that came up with a label on a pretty bottle and put, got, whiskey from MGP stuck it in the bottle and put it out there. <laughs> There's a difference. Is this in, and I think that our, our, our customer really has an appreciation for that difference. They know that. I mean, I, the, the conversations I've had are, are down to a level that is, is, you know, parsing the flavors at, that, that are just amazing. I love that dialogue. I love having that conversation. I find out new things every day about our products. <laughs> you have marzipan you in your bourbon. Know. I'm sorry? You have marzipan in your bourbon. We have marzipan. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Fred loves that. Fred loves that's that. Word. Oh, no. Marzipan. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty good though. It's a pretty good description of some of the flavors. Yeah. But anyway, I think, um, I think that it is going to expand. We'll continue to expand. And um, um, we're just trying to expand horizontally and vertically. And <laughs> just keep bringing good whiskey. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. That's all we're doing. And run. Well, awesome. Uh, so guys, I think this will wrap it up. 
before we kick it off or finish it off, if you have any way that people want to get in contact with you, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that, your website, go ahead and plug it now so people know how to reach you. Okay. It's barrelbourbon.com. Two R's, two L's. <laughs> uh, Which we explained earlier. Yeah. And, you know, pretty much barrel rye, barrel whiskey, barrel craft spirits, any of those get you to the same website. There's a contact form in there. You can reach us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, it's at Barrel Bourbon. It's pretty straightforward. Two R's, two L's. Awesome. Um, and that's how you can get us. And we, we, we read our email and answer the mail and answer questions and answer the phone all the time. And also to, to everybody that does enjoy these products, thank you uh, and continue to do so because it does give us the opportunity to do what we love to do. Yeah. So uh, big shout out to you guys. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank the customers. Right. That's days. right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So awesome. Guys, I want to say thank you again. This has been very informative. Uh, yeah. We learned more about barrel bourbon than we ever could at our our little five minute thing at Whiskey Live we ever did, right? That was a it was a good interview, but not near as <laughs> not near as in depth as this. And this was uh, you know, this is a uh, probably a year in the making that I've been we've been it's talking true. of I know I've been seeing my emails pop up, Joe and Kenny back and forth for like two years. I'm like, when, when is this gonna happen? <laughs> but now I'm really glad we can do it. Now we're at the point we're texting each other. No, no, right? so. <laughs> so again, fellas, thank you for coming on. Make sure you follow them, follow us as well, Bourbon Pursuit on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, if you like the show, support the show patreon.com slash burden pursuit p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com thanks guys for coming on that was a blast I, one refreshing thing from interviewing you guys from others is that i can tell you all are like truly having fun and like this is like you oh, know yeah. your passion and like the this information you shared and like the projects you're sharing i can tell you are tr- truly having a blast and so i'm looking forward to the future of barrel bourbon and what you've done so far has been great so thanks for coming on Thank you, guys. Thank I'm not you. trying to kiss your ass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, pick whichever bottle Checks you want. in the mail. <laughs> Still waiting for those t-shirts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, anyways, if any uh, listeners have any show suggestions, feedback, comments, we love hearing from our fans. We love our fans as well. So uh, please keep listening and just let us know what you want to hear, and we'll bring it to you. And we'll see you next time.